Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. I was glad to have this young lady on. It is Kay Smythe. Great news with Kay on a Monday. How are you, Kay? Good to see you. I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm, I'm living the dream. I'm feeling good. I feel kind of bad that I forgot Elvis's birthday yesterday. I didn't really forget it. I knew that it was happening, but I wasn't on the air. And you know, that's a really big day for me. Elvis Presley yesterday would have been, what, 80, born in 35. He'd be old. He'd be up yeah. there. Yeah, he'd be like 88. Yeah, he now, would. Now, Kate, yeah. Let me ask you this. Being from the UK, Elvis was as big a star there as he is here. Um, were the, was there talk that he's still alive? Did, did people believe that? Oh, no one really believes anything fun in my parents' generation <laughs> in the UK, but absolutely. I would say anyone sort of 40 years and younger, like definitely that was a whole thing. Tupac too, he's for sure still alive. Definitely still alive. Yeah, uh, more recently, Jeffrey Epstein, he is for sure still alive. Definitely. Um, you know what the story was when, when Elvis died? I'm going to say died, but... As a big fan, I hope that he didn't. But I think the guy would have shown back up by now. He was such a performer. But having said that, when, when he died, the, the story was he was in Kalamazoo, Michigan, under the name John Burroughs, and he was flipping burgers at the, at the Burger King. I kid you not. Like, Elvis dropped out of sight to go flip burgers at Burger King. That's how dumb we are. Honestly... I kind of, I'm here for it. Like, if I was super duper famous, like, which I think, like, honestly, to be, like, an A-list celebrity just sounds horrific in this day and age. Yeah, true. I think I would for sure fake my own death. I would. And just be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to, like, take this wealth, put it in a trust, give myself some, like, annuities for the rest of my life. Right. And uh, go and do something that I love. Like, I, I've said this so many times recently, Joe. I wish that I could go back. Even though I love my job and I love my career, yes. I definitely have anger issues as a result of it. I wish <laughs> I could have gone back and just been like a park ranger or something like that. Gotcha. Like, I think that would be like a good way to spend a You life, are far you too know? good at what you do. So you're not going to be a park ranger. But I get. listen, trust me, I get it. I finally had a few days off, as, as we talked about last week, where I didn't really deal with much. And it felt nice that... The ocean still does make noise and the trees still, you know, there's a nice breeze and my family's still, you know, awfully cool. I see them once a year, like, so um, I, I get it. But Elvis was a different realm. He wasn't even A-list. He was the most famous person on the planet and, and died at 42. So I think when somebody dies that young, we, we want them to have faked their death, don't we? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think he did. But like, I want it and I think it, yeah. you know? I'm with you. It's uh, casemythe.com. Go there. Check her out on Newsmax Saturday and Sunday morning and other times during the week and read everything she does in the Daily Caller. You've got a lot of stories out in the Daily Caller. Some of them kind of nuts. Some of them not so nuts. I want to get very quickly through this financial story because it's important, but it's boring. And I think you're, you're the one. You're the one who actually said it's boring. So I didn't like call your story boring. But I don't watch the stock market. The stock market every day. I don't really care. But I do have a 401k, and I care about that. And people have pensions, and they care about that. And you're saying Morgan Stanley says not very good news. Uh, Morgan Stanley says that. Goldman Sachs, Deutsche Bank, uh, Joe. I have been covering sort of niche finance it's it's interesting right? it's niche finance but it's actually macro finance so it's the kind of big trends and swings that impact absolutely everyone it's the reason everyone's talking about egg prices right now right, right. yeah um so i started covering this stuff about a year ago <clears throat> and in march michael burry said hey guys we're headed for a pretty significant recession uh, in about April, May time, he was like, no, no, guys, like I like the economy is in a lot of trouble. Cut to 
sort of September through December, every single major finance financial expert, um, you know, John, who my boyfriend, who I live with, this is a field that he works in. He was explaining a lot of this to me. Um, everyone was saying that as soon as we hit peak inflation, um, we're probably going to see a lot of big downs in the stock market, like ex expect a stock market crash, essentially. Wow. Um, and then it took Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Deutsche Bank and a bunch of other big institutions until today to say it when everyone's been saying and warning about this for months and been saying, go out, prepare, make sure that you buy food and stock up on stuff. Now, everything right. is about to get way more expensive to the point where Biden might even issue have to issue another round of stimulus checks like we don't know how bad it's going to get and when it's going to start like really, really hitting. So it becomes okay. part of the normal news cycle. I got to ask you this. Why did they hesitate? Was it because Biden and the Fed and everybody in the left on this planet has been saying, don't say recession, don't act like it's bad, act like inflation isn't as bad as it is, pretend the jobs numbers are better than they are. I mean, is this why they hesitated? Were they sort of getting the wink and the nod from the government, do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's the same thing. I'm so glad you brought up the job market as well. I, again, was writing back in August, like we are going to see mass layoffs. Right. And I mean, everyone told me I was crazy. Everyone told me I was crazy. And we started seeing them in September. And now that finally being talked about in the press and news media, as they should be. Um, well, they're good because they have to. They can't ignore it. We all see it. We're not stupid. Well, politics is propaganda at yes. this point. There, there is no such thing as straight news in in the modern world. Like there just isn't. Everything either has a bias. Um, I will say there are some people who do a lot better, uh, and they're pretty much all the people that I work with. I will say. Right. Uh, but politics, anything that your politicians are telling you, and if that's being echoed in the press and news media, it's just propaganda, guys. Like, the, the truth is out there. Yeah. Um, that doesn't just apply to UFOs anymore. That applies to literally every piece of knowledge that is disseminated in the modern world. And, and uh, I appreciate you giving us the, head up, uh, the heads up on that. Go check out your 401k. Already it's down. For me, it's down uh, during the Biden administration. It could get a lot worse. It's Casemith. Go to Casemith.com. Extreme weather. We talked about this last time. And there are even more warnings going out specifically for California. What's happening in California? California is just getting battered right now, Joe. We've had three weeks of back-to-back -back extreme weather events. They're predominantly coming off of this weird weather system that's rippling through the Pacific that's just bringing insane amounts of moisture to the state. When you couple that with the extreme wildfires that I talked about on the show over the summer, you basically just got a recipe for disaster. We've got... I mean, tens of feet of snowfall at this point, an insane amount of snowfall. We've got that, which then turns into freeze thaw, which leads to massive hazardous, hazardous riding, like driving conditions. The list really goes on. But basically, California is being washed into the ocean right now is the only way I can describe it. Oh, wow. I get this. Get this. I didn't write this up, um, but I saw it and I thought it was hysterical. Mayor London Breed in uh, San Francisco right. blamed the National Weather Service for not warning people fast enough about how bad these weather events were going to be. I had written stories for like two weeks prior based on data from the National Weather Service who are great. Just follow them on uh, Twitter. That's all I do is I just follow them on Twitter. You don't have to get into the weeds with it. But she was like, oh, well, I didn't tell people to prepare because the National Weather Service didn't tell us to prepare. 
And then the National Weather Service were like, yeah, we did. And here's the receipts. <laughs> yeah, of course um, they did. But but they're yeah. always looking for an excuse. You know, a couple of stories came out in the past couple of them. I can't cite the sources, but they're out there. Turns out climate change is the reason why there's more domestic violence. And climate change is why black football players are adversely affected by hits on the field. So this is how dumb. I mean, so the London breed, of, uh, London breeds of the world, uh, are not extremely smart, and they think that we can't that we can't just look up the, the National Weather Service and see the warnings that they put out. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Why do you think? I just want you to opine for a minute, if you don't mind. Why do you think everybody, but everybody who has anything going wrong for them or who they claim as their culture, always want to blame climate change? Why is that? Why is that the easy out? I mean, the short answer is they're all idiots. Uh, The long answer is it's a lot easier to point fingers and blame than it is to address the three fingers pointing back at you. Right. It's... I think think that's really all it is. I think it's just, sorry, my cat's getting in the shot here. But um, I I think it really is just easier to blame someone other than uh, doing the work to improve upon your life situation. And I get it. I've been in those phases in my life where I just wanted to kick and scream and say, yes, I want to blame maybe not climate change because that never made any kind of scientific sense. Like that is literally stupid. Yes. Um, But you know, like you always woke up, but you always woke up and said, I can change this. I can make this better. And, and, and when we say a certain group of people have worse grades, let's not blame something generic that has no effect. Let's find out why they have worse grades. Let's find out why the schools aren't as good. Let's find out why mom and dad aren't together. Let's find out why there aren't any jobs in that neighborhood. Why can't we do that, do the real work, and then correct problems that are correctable? Well, that's the thing, right? And, like, you know, I, I know we probably can't get too into the weeds of this, but um, from what I've been told by uh, my sort of very diverse community of friends, yeah. um, you can go back throughout history and you can literally pinpoint the moment when policies were instituted to break down essentially black and um, minority families. Yes. Uh, one of my friends was explaining to me uh, how, like, I can't remember the specifics, but I think sometime in the 60s, marriage started to be de-incentivized. You've got three strike, which took one and four fathers out of the home. Right. Then you, like, you know, you create these, this This is what we were talking about right before I came on the show today, Joe. It's easy to create long-term negative social trends if you normalize it into society yes. through policies that sound really good. And, and, so like and what's funny reason- is, well, I, I got to stop you because you're absolutely right. The politicians and the government purposely, about 100 years ago actually, purposely broke down the black family unit, just like Black Lives Matter in recent years have said we want to disrupt the, the Western nuclear family. They did that on purpose. They did it through policy, as you said. They did it through disincentivizing this, that, and the other. And then suddenly it's a single-parent home it, where, where it was 80% mother-father kids. Now it's, it's 80% single family, single mother raising a bunch of kids, and the government is the father. They did this on purpose. They did this on purpose because who now gets all the control of those communities? The government does. And if the government has control, the government can tell them anything they want to tell them. Vote for us. Vote for this guy. The Republicans are racist. Blah, blah, blah. Climate change hates you. That's really what it is. And, and, and I don't blame the communities. You know, no. they were lied. They were, they, were, yeah. they were sold a bill of goods. But those bill of goods are easy to overcome. You know, the same thing could, I, I, in fact, I want to apply it to sort of, you know, the female demographic. Like, we were all lied to by glorified domestic terrorists like Gloria Steinem. Yes. Oh, I cannot stand her. 
she just she destroyed the nuclear family by telling women that we should all be champions of one another and it's like empowering to either not be a mother or to be a single mother right instead of running with the narrative of it's actually shameful to be an absent father it is it is absolutely amazing when a single mother can raise a child that goes on to be a successful functioning right. adult but where is the shame this the normalized shame for the man who couldn't get his act together to be a good father like we completely circumvent responsibility yes. when it comes to what we choose to empower and what we choose to claim as victimhood we always blame ourselves or we always blame the victims when instead <clears throat> we could quite easily hold the perpetrators responsible yes. and change that social norm I couldn't agree more. And the government, I believe, incentivized men, spread your seed wherever you want. You've got no responsibilities. We'll be daddy government. We'll be God government. God, the government wants to be everything for our, our needs. And if it is, then we basically are drones and we're controlled, as you and I uh, spoke before the, the show today as well. Curtis Lee, a good friend of mine, he knows there's a rat problem in New York. By the way, he should have won the election for mayor over Eric Adams. Um, but he knows there's a rat problem. I know he's a cat lover. I'm guessing that story has to do with both. Well, considering the fact that my cats have not made an appearance on this show in probably six, seven months, and this is the one day that they decide <laughs> to show up, I think that says something. Yeah, yes. so uh, Curtis, whose phone number I randomly have, I have no idea how I got it. Wow. Um, and I didn't call him today to check the you story. You should have. He'll answer. To get it up yeah, and he's out good. There. But he's essentially proposing a genius idea which is to use cats and use feral cats and cat colonies to control New York's pest problem. Now, I live in a farmhouse, and if it weren't for the cats, I dread to think what would exist in this house. Right. They are, I've never found anything. I've never found a mouse. I've never found a bug alive. Um, you know, they usually, they don't tend to eat the bugs. They just right. tend to just play with them after they die. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but I thought it was a genius idea. And then obviously a lot of people were like, well, what happens when the cat problem gets out of control? And I was like, what kind of cat problem gets out of control? Or, or, or bring in a bunch of dogs. That'd be fun in the streets of New York. Yeah, you know yeah, what, what I heard? There was an old lady who swallowed a fly, <laughs> well, you know, exactly. like, we could learn from her. Eric Adams, from what I understand, is threatening to arrest Curtis Lewa. If he brings cats to 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 City Hall, I mean, I, what are we talking? Is New York City really just gone? Is that what's oh, happening here? New York doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. No, and what's better or scarier, I guess, um, better is not the right word. I would say better in terms of like ironic dystopian nightmare stuff. Yes. Um, two cops were just sitting watching Curtis just go around and chat to his neighbors and you know, propose the idea, promote the idea, see if he could get anyone involved in helping him with managing the cats. You know, cats are pretty easy to feed. Yes. Um, very easy to take care of. And, you know, you got to literally any country other, like any European country, North African country, um, full of cats. And it's great. And they do control the pests. But two cops were literally sat watching him as he did all of this. I just have this feeling, Joe, that like, they're just going to like flip a switch one day 
and try and march a bunch of people off to gulags. Like, I really do. Oh, they like, would have done that by now. If, following him, if like, they just could so have, like, keep an eye on him. If oh, they no, could they have, they would have already. No, trust me, they're, they're waiting for the day they can do that. That's why us speaking up is going to stop them. It's caseminds.com. Yeah. Go there. Check out everything she does on uh, The Daily Caller. Also on Newsmax TV. 20 seconds to give a recommendation of that show that you think that we should all go watch. Oh, gosh, which one? Tulsa King, 1923. Rick, Ric Flair. Oh, the greatest documentary of all time. Woo, Ric Flair. It's on uh, Paramount. <laughs> I have never, I didn't know who this guy was until I watched this documentary. It's about an hour and a half, best hour and a half you'll ever spend. You see the whole, you know, life, like from birth up until now. Get this. This guy has survived light, being struck by lightning, a plane crash, total organ failure. What? He was given up for adoption as a child, then sold into human trafficking, and then sold to his parents who had no idea that he was a victim of child trafficking. We'll watch. I cried three times. We will watch. I'm somebody who knows Ric Flair. I don't know him personally, but I I know him by watching him wrestle. I didn't have any idea of this story, so I'll check out the documentary. Kay, we appreciate you. Go to casemines.com. Thank you, (laughs) ma'am. Thank you so much, Joe. (laughs) We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Always great to have Kay on, KaySmythe.com. Check her out on The Daily Caller, also on Newsmax TV. Time for some pop culture. Yep. Hi, Paula. What's happening, bro? So have you seen this story with uh, your girl Lizzo? I did not see my girl Lizzo. What happened now? I guess apparently she put this tweet out saying, uh, this may be a random time to say this, but it's on her heart. She says that cancel culture is appropriation. What? Yeah, she said that there was real outrage from truly marginalized people, and now it's become trendy, misused, and misdirected. I hope we can phase out this and focus our outrage on the real problems. Right, she's worth $13, $15 million, something like that. She's still oppressed, I guess. I guess that's something about her being oppressed. I don't know. I I think she's saying that cancel culture is being used the wrong way. That's what she's trying to say. Cancel culture shouldn't be used at all. She's she's not as smart as she thinks. All right, Polo, I appreciate it. Sam, thank you very much. Carrie, thank you. I'm Joe. Back tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a great night. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.